Have you ever wanted to know the dirty secrets of Fintan's friendships and relationships? Well, you've tuned in to the right podcast. This is Fintan Lives With. This episode is with my good friend Simone Carlton, who I've known throughout college. Here's some clips from the episode so you can know what to expect before you commit to the full 30 minutes. I was scared that it was going to taste gross because I had heard that mushrooms taste awful, whatever, you know? Like, no drugs taste good. Like, why is that? That was funny that I was fearful of that. Um, and I decided, like, I'm going to put the energy, this anger, and this existential dread that I had of understanding who I was as, like, a black person on this campus. And I decided to act on it physically. How, yeah, do you navigate intimacy in your travels over the course of this year. I just want to marry like 10 people and have a bunch of kids where we all share, raise them, and like we travel a lot to different parts of the world. And I just need to find the people who would be like, yeah, all right. If I'm going to get married, I'm not getting married for love. That's just, that's it. Wow. Doesn't that sound really interesting? Well, let's jump right in. Let's talk to Simone. Uh, My name is Simone Carlton. Um, I am a... <laughs> I am a black queer woman from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I'm 22. Uh, I uh, got in contact with Fenton actually my first year. Wait, how much can we talk about on this podcast? I, you know, it's just open. Just know that it's going to be public. Okay, okay. It's gonna. It, it's open to whatever you want to share. Okay. Well, we got um, in contact with each other through Claudia Hondal. Um, we had a radio show called Dance to This because um, we discovered that we had very similar or complementary taste in music. And so we had a radio show once a week on Saturday that we used to like, um, it was at 11 p.m. to show um, good music on the radio or have good music on the radio. And then friends started coming and it became a place for us to pregame other parties. <laughs> so we would kind of party in the radio show or radio studio and then play the music we wanted to hear. That's very good. I, I always remember it being more, actually not at all a radio show. I just imagined if someone were to tune into us during that time, they'd probably be like, what the hell is going on in here? There's like so much background noise. There's all these people yelling and clearly drinking on air, with right. bottles <laughs> clinking, yeah. us making comments about things yeah. that we probably wouldn't have uh, made comments on if, we, if the radio show was at like 8 a.m. or something. Exactly. <laughs> but that was the fun of it, so... Do you have any distinctive memories of us doing something at Grinnell College, maybe in our earlier years when we were just like, I don't know where what we were thinking half the time, but we were just sort of out out there, not really ground. We didn't really have something to ground us in like the about, moment. Like, can I talk about like our exciting adventures with vegetables? Actually, yeah, because it was mentioned on the previous podcast. Oh, okay. So this just goes back to the very beginning of what we were talking about when I first met Fenton. It was actually because he provided for Claudia, me, and a couple other people mushrooms. 
And that was the first time I had ever done mushrooms. And I did it. Your face looks so interesting right now. What's happening? I've seen where you're going with this. Okay, yeah. The first time that I had ever done mushrooms at Grinnell and like Grinnell College, you know, a lot of really brilliant intellectuals, but then a lot of people, same intellectuals, love to fucking go at it with the drugs and alcohol. But I mean, not not too far, but explore like other forms of like existing and in other forms existing in reality. Anyway. Um, and he came in with like a bag of the mushrooms and we ordered a pizza ranch so that we could put the mushrooms on top of the pizza because I was scared that it was going to taste gross because I had heard that mushrooms taste awful, whatever, you know, like no drugs taste good. Like, why is that? It was funny that I was fearful of that. Cause it's like, who cares? Like anyway, <laughs> a real connoisseur. Yeah. <laughs> We're real connoisseur. Anyway, um, and then we take the pizza and we're kind of hanging out in Norris, which is like a dorm on the north of Grinnell College campus that's very like it's for first years basically. Like the environment there is kind of not hospitable. Like this is kind of – you've got desks like fashioned into the wall and like metal rods for like – um, what are those twin bed? What are the twin beds? Dorm beds? I don't know what you call them. Anyway, it's a it's a bomb shelter. It's riot proof. Yeah, building. it's right. It was it's riot proof, and it was built for that purpose. But um, yeah, we do that. We're hanging out in there, and then we go outside, and like we're walking around, and things start to really kick in after we settle down in this tree near South Campus. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, do you feel that? Like, do you feel it? And you're like, yeah, me too. And the sun was setting. And everybody's like, oh, the lights are so pretty. Like, look at this. Look at this tree. And then we're walking down South Loja. And we end up in Main Lounge, which is on the other end of, like, the exact opposite end of campus. And we end up at this um, quinceanera. <laughs> yeah, and we're, like, there. And mind you, we're still, like, at this point, like, I think that our high collectively and mine personally had gotten to a point where I was like, oh, fuck, like, I don't know if I can speak to other people. And then <laughs> you're sitting down in this quinceanera and everybody was, like, dressed up in their dresses, their beautiful dresses and, like, the food and music. And we sit down at the way other end um, and kind of like trying to keep it together like the walls were like waving back and forth and it was just like the music was blaring in my ears and we look across and there was this other kid his name is Alex and he's kind of like not he didn't look necessarily like he was bugging out but he looked like hyper aware of everybody he was like kind of looking back and forth and whatever and then I, I don't know who it was that asked him but someone said oh we're on shrooms and then he smiled or like laughed or something and then he was like me too and then so like there's a group of like eight people like at this quinceanera in Grinnell College that are just high on shrooms like Fenton had to leave because he was laughing so hard at one point and then like the other Colin kid came back and was like oh my god Fenton's crying like this is so bad and it just because he was laughing but we thought that Fenton was like in desperate like need of attention and help and then we ended up outside and like Fenton was eating flowers and I stepped in dog shit and we were all just like laughing so hard yeah this is before I learned how to express my emotions better right I've gotten a little better at that <laughs> still better. not great but you know right. we're working on it right working. yeah we just we were messing around for a long time and I had because my shoes are still covered in dog shit I took them off and I left them in front of our friend Luke's room 
just <laughs> left them there and never came back. And then at, when it was like evening time, like eight or nine, like he tried to start drinking to go to a party and it was just so unsuccessful. Like I remember there were people who like came also back to Norris to like drink with us. And I remember taking a sip of like whatever alcoholic beverage was there and it was like hard liquor. And I was like, this is disgusting. Like, it's like, I can't drink this at all. And everyone's like, oh yeah, like we can't drink this. And I don't know what happened after that. I think maybe we went to sleep or did we go to a party? We um, probably just, yeah, went to sleep or something. Yeah, we probably think, just were done. Yeah. I you know, I, I think back on those times, like, what were we searching for? Yeah, like the, we the pot of gold under the rainbow is like the, the just fly away from this rural, isolated little Iowa town for a moment and discover something otherworldly. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And it seemed like for me, it seemed like I was trying to like escape, right? <laughs> like I, that's what I felt like I needed to leave or do something else. Anyway, I think Vincent and I became closer as we, like, were sharing, like, our music tastes and then, like, shared experiences and then also drugs, <laughs> which sounds really negative. But, like, I think at one point it became, like, a medicinal means. Not medicinal, but it's, like, I don't know, the way that I see it has changed so much over the course of being here for three years. And it's I see it positively as opposed to you just trying to fuck up your brain because it's... I mean, you do do that, I guess, but you also fuck up your liver when you drink too much alcohol. So it's like, okay, pick your, pick your, pick the lesser of two evils. I don't know, pick your poison, something. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and we we go, we learn to go into it with more intentions, and you know, do art and that sort of thing, and right. get inspired and grow from it. And yeah, and I wouldn't say I would do it all the time anymore. Yeah. Like no, the not. the cool factor has worn off a lot. Completely. <laughs> Completely worn off, and like even just like that extends to drinking all the time like I I don't need to like at one point my first and second year I just remember like every weekend it would be binge drinking like it would that would just be it and like you're at a party you black out or you don't remember what happened or you make a mistake and you're like oh fuck I shouldn't have gone home with that person and then it's just like too much stress and now it's just like why why do you need to do that you know everything in moderation right <laughs> the middle the middle path and middle way but I don't know if I've expressed my um, humor too much in, in that conversation. But that's I'm in a more serious mood these days. Like more, not serious, but like subdued. Not necessarily subdued. What's the word for that? Contemplative. I don't know. You're just, you're, you're busy and yeah. that's what it does to you. You, you. With real serious issues yeah. out there. Doesn't yeah. mean you don't still joke like all the time. Yeah, my favorite my favorite joke is your mom jokes, <laughs> like like saying your like your mom to like a response to any question is just always out of place, but just so funny. And the reason why it's so funny is because like it's annoying, like it's an annoying <laughs> thing to say to someone, and it never fits, and it's sometimes offensive, and so I'm just like that's. That's my humor. Like, just I don't think anyone else has been able to make your mom jokes last that long yeah. and be that funny that far out of middle school. Right. I'd say, 
I think what I'm going to do with this is I should just like put all the transition videos that I've taken of you because I, I would just shoot videos of Simone and then use them as transitions and yeah, films. Yo, that's another part that was funny. Like in every like thing that Fenton was asked to do in terms of videos, like I would always be some sort of transition. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be contributing in any other way, but just, I would just be doing something. You know what it is? It's because you were at all the transitional phases in my life, the big oh, thinking moments, the big exploration moments. So it's a metaphor. You got to think deeper. Okay, some there you go. That is, I like that. <laughs> like a metaphor that probably no one would understand. And yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's, Thanks. That's so nice. Oh, Okay. Well, yeah, um, when when it's a metaphor, it's always a metaphor. It's always a metaphor. Okay, so now that you know how we know each other, we can move on to the more greater, tough stuff. Yeah. Not tough stuff. Interesting. Interesting stuff. So why don't you talk about like all of the <clears throat> all the cool activism stuff you're doing right now because it's something that I'm continuously like, whoa, look at what Simone's doing now. A thousand million things all the time. And Simone barely had time to sit down for this podcast. So <laughs> chat about that. Okay, so I guess I'll start off from two years ago. Um, so this would be Fenton's sophomore year in college. Um <laughs> I just started, or I was working with Hazel Botch Chavez, who's a Grinnell alum, um, and we wanted to do um, a direct action around police brutality. And uh, Hazel had the idea of putting uh, vinyl um, cutouts of people's names who had been killed um, due to police violence all along like our community center at Grinnell College, which is called the John Rosenfield Center, or JRC, um, along the windows, and that stayed up for a couple of weeks. Um, and then we had like a, not a sit-in, but like a occupying of the street that went through the, like the center of campus basically. And that was fun. And then um, a year later, we did another project where I worked with Hazel and then Morgan, who's still a current student here. Um, and we created or helped create um, a response to the recent uh, Trump election results, I suppose, um, and it was called March 1st Day of Action. Um, and then we really incorporated a lot of different things, but we decided to um, ask students to not part go to classes and in lieu of classes, participate in like the programming that we had put together for this March 1st day. So we had community conversations, like musical performances. We had a rally. We had like um, a march to Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is one of many companies that is actively investing in the Dakota Active Um And then was also in coordination with the No Dapple protesting that was happening. Um, and we got a lot of like frontline indigenous activists, or not a lot, one or two, to come and speak um, about the importance of like solidarity and community building and this type of activism work. So that was fun. And now this year, um, I, Morgan, and a few other students are organizing um, around the question of divestment that Grinnell College is like dealing with and grappling with. And they've put together a task force of um, fac or faculty, students, and um, trustees 
to answer the question of whether or not the college should divest. And one of the biggest problems that we saw is that the students weren't turning out for any of the events that were being held by the task force to talk about, you know, what it means to actually divest, like the economic burden, where the money would end up going, how the money is distributed in the college, and no one showed up. And one of the biggest things that the task force decided was like, Obviously, students don't care, so we're probably not going to decide to divest. So we decided to create like a week-long escalation plan where every single day we focus on a different aspect that our investments in fossil fuel and coal have on our environment. And that's not just like the non-living environment, that's the living environment, humans, you know, animals, plants, etc. And that's not happening yet. But on November 6th, we are, we are going to plan a um, day of action, which is very similar to March 1st, um, but we'll have musical act, a rally, and then we're going to do a direct action for the trustees that are currently here. And I'm working with a team that um, is writing like appeal letters to each of the trustees on um, on reasons why they personally should vote yes to divestment. And, you know, divestment doesn't just mean we're pulling all of our money. It means reinvesting in companies that have more aggressive stances on renewable energy. Renewable, renewable energy. So that's all of the stuff I've been doing for the past two years since I've known Fenton. <laughs> that, that is a lot. And I can take this many ways, but I'm going to try to bring it back to the personal here because I saw like my activism developing as I was learning about my queerness and um, changing the ways that I described myself as like, am I an activist? Am I not? Like, can I use the word queer for myself? Can I not? I think a lot of that was happening at the same time and the activism sort of helped me with that. I was just wondering if you had a similar experience. So, what's your response? Yeah, what's, what, what's your... <laughs> How do you think? <laughs> so, yeah, I would kind of agree. Like, I think it, there were a couple of levels how, like, in, in terms of how my activism kind of intersected with my identities and, like, what my identities are. Um, I mean, first, as, like, a student, I think that I noticed that my activism started to come more pronounced and I started to act on my feelings of injustice um, that or where injustice was happening and my response to it around the time that I took my first religious studies course actually with Tim Dobe, um, who's my advisor currently. Um, and I really just started to see the importance of people's lived experiences and the fact that me as like a human, I also have the agency, especially having privilege going to the school that I go to to speak out about these things and speak out about my own experience in a way that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to. Like that was happening at the same time. And then also at the same time, I was becoming more, um, I engaged with my own racial identity as well and what that meant for me existing on a predominantly white campus. And like, what does it mean for me to be like a black female bodied, like queer person? Queer didn't really come into like effect until much later, um, but it just kind of added to how I look at and frame my experience here at Grinnell and in the world in a more complex way. Yeah, it's like, what do you do? How can I act? Like I have like the resources to, I had the resources to get to a school like Grinnell College, which has a lot of resources and a lot of, it's like an elitist school. Um, so what do I do? How do I act? And I decided like I'm going to put the energy, this anger and this, you know, kind of 
existential dread that I had of understanding who I was as like a black person on this campus and like my interest outside of like the science world. And I decided to act on it physically. And that's like, if someone says this shit is fucked up, we're going to be like, okay, how do we fix it? Or what can we do to make ourselves feel more comfortable despite the fact that things are really fucked up? And how can we help, you know, alleviate that pain and suffering for other people who also agree that it's fucked up. Say that. I said I was just looking at my phone because I was getting messages, not because I was looking at the time. Simone has like a thousand things going on on my <laughs> phone at all times. So it's a it's a constant struggle for attention. <laughs> you're you're much wanted everywhere. It's it's so it's great. It's really great to see that you're so tapped in, but I'm sure that's exhausting as well. And I'm tired. I'm really tired right now. I was out, I guess I'll talk about this. So yesterday I went or I spoke with Professor Katia, an excellent professor, Professor Keisha Scott, and those are two infamous like black women on this campus um, who are also scholars and who are scholars, yeah, scholars as well and have done such transformative work on this campus and who are just completely brilliant. And like, I think that on the point of being tired and feeling exhausted, like having conversations with like people who are like me. That's the thing that I didn't do my first two years here, but having conversations with people who are who look like me and who think similar, even though even personally they may have different identity politics or personal politics to me, they have a respect for the power of education and the power of intellectual rights and property. Like I, it's, it's revitalizing. And I feel, even though I am tired all the time, like I'm like, I, can keep going because I know that what I'm doing is impactful and it's not only impactful for me, but impactful for other like brown female bodied people who look like me or who have similar experiences to me or even who don't. And it's like, that's, I want to be able to do this. And another layer of why I keep deciding to overexhaust myself is because I know that like there are other people who might not have the confidence and might not have you know, the drive, not the drive, but confidence and in themselves and in their ability to kind of tap into their own brilliance that like, yes, you can too, because I have fucked up so much. <laughs> and despite that, I'm still trying, you know, so that's more preachy stuff. <laughs> mm, it's so, so good. So good. So good. So good. So let's get into the dirt. What do you hate about me? What do you, oh no. What's something that bothers you? Um, okay. Well, for one, Fenton's lack of communication with logistical things. I think that's the part that like stresses me out, even though I don't tend to get too stressed. Like just recently, actually, Fenton came by and didn't really like clearly he said, I'm coming to visit Grinnell. Cool. I'm glad I'm I'm excited to see Fenton. He's doing a cool project. Was Austin Frederick who's working or he's running for con Iowa Congress in the third district. Anyway, that's awesome. And then, you know, he says, Okay, I'm coming. And then he's like, Okay, I'm gonna go to Chicago. Leaves. And then he says, I'm coming back to Grinnell. But there's no communication on where he's staying, how long he's staying, what he's doing. I'm like, okay, um, then where are you staying is what we prompt him. Oh, well, I figured I could stay with you if that's okay. 
all right, sure. Still no communication about how long that's going to be, <laughs> right? Because like if, if, if I've got a very busy schedule, when you have people in your house, you want to be able to entertain them at least a little bit and like spend time with them at least a little bit. But I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure. Let me just go about my usual flow, which is always very busy, <laughs> right? And he come in and just stays for a day, two days. And he says, well, actually, I guess I'll just leave when you leave for fall break. And I'm just like, what? What? You didn't tell me beforehand. That's So that's like the the one thing I think that bothers me. Yeah. yeah, in retrospect, that was a really stupid thing for me to do because I was here during the busiest week of the semester. Yeah, right before like mid-sems, like that's the part when everybody is like really stressed and doing stuff. Yeah. I think what happens is I I think I communicate some some um piece of information or it's like very brief or it's like not complete. Yeah. And I'm like, oh that's good. Yeah, you know, it's it's all it'll all work out. And it, of course it works out, but I don't think about the implications, you know. You have also got me on the communication sometimes, yeah. a little bit. I mean, not to that level. I haven't, well, I don't have a home. <laughs> so I can't really be that bothered by it. No, no, I don't, I don't. Just don't respond to text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's everyone. So it's not really. But thank you for making me realize. Yeah, no, it's okay. And that's, I feel like that's also an important reason to have a friend and why you need friends and people who actually care because I hate it also when I'm doing something that upsets someone or doing something that's inconsiderate or whatever it may be, like not nice, whatever. And no one tells me, like how am I supposed to change and work on it if you're not going to tell me what's bothering you, right? So that's like the reason why like I communicate to you that that is like, okay, dude, <laughs> you gotta, okay, okay, person, I'll, 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 I'll change the... Yeah, get my pronouns, pronouns right. Right, I'll change the gendering. Gendering is important. Okay, Fenton, <laughs> you got you got to think about this for a second because it could kind of be a little bit like invasive, but that's fine. But just do better next time, and then you do better next time. Keep working on it, and then thirty years from now, you're the best communicator anyone has ever seen, and that's it. I got dreams, yeah. kids. I'm trying to live up to that goal. <laughs> communicate like crazy right. I believe this has been such an unplanned trip that I'm just like oh everyone's okay with being unplanned yeah. let's all go unplanned right. so, no, no, there's so I, many plans. I gotta do the check-in with the people who are not good at communicating that yeah. stuff so that's always a struggle Do you have any questions for me? Any any burning, not burning questions, just just ask me a question, Simone, a personal question. Personal question. How, yeah, do you navigate intimacy in your travels over the course of this year? Like like romantic and or sexual intimacy. Oh, wow, we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> and we can, we, or you could just say romantic. Like how do you navigate that? What does that feel like for you to go through this year traveling kind of not like necessarily with a solid foundational place and how do you relate to people in that way then when you're traveling? Wow, that is an excellent question and it's something that I actually have been thinking about a lot because I I like to be very, very upfront with whoever it may be. Um, and actually, since I've been traveling, it's mostly been with family so far and I've been not really involved with that, not really interested in doing sort of things. But I did open up Tinder in Albuquerque while I was there for a few days and 
had a really great three day experience and that's all it was going to be. That's all like we hung out a lot in the apartment and just had a, had a fun weekend and he knew that I was going on to travel to other places. So it wasn't, that's just what it was. And I'll be back when I'm back whenever. Um, and I mean, just recently I met someone else in Chicago and you know, I'm, I, I was very like, like the first thing I said was, Hey, I'm traveling just so you know, like I enjoy hanging out with you. Let's just like leave it at that. Let's just like build, uh, you know, a good, (laughs) it's, it's just, yeah, yeah. Good rapport. That's a good way to put it. So I, yeah, I've just been trying to be upfront trying to not lead people on. I used to be really bad at this, uh, just like destructively bad because it can, it can really mess you up if you're not careful with it and that sort of stuff, roman- romantic stuff or whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just forming good connections and hopefully I will see people again when I come back to a certain place, but I am sort of desiring at the same time being more grounded and forming longer term relationships like I was able to do while at college. Mm -hmm. Um, even if those ones weren't specifically romantic, um, it would be nice to also do that. I just want to marry like 10 people and have a bunch of kids where we all share, raise them. And like, we travel a lot to different parts of the world. They, they're probably communes or something that you can join or start up where everyone's just kind of raising a family in the commune thing. Yeah, yeah, that or, I mean, it would ideally be a moving commune because I want, I'd want their education to be like going to different places in the U.S. that are not tourist destinations and really learning about talking to people, learning about things like I've been trying to do as much as I can, so... That's my goal. And I just need to find the people who would be like, yeah, all right. And for the laws to change where it makes it easier to file right, taxes right. with 10 people. <laughs> We're working on that together, kids. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I mean, you could probably marry somebody and then another person marries another person. But then you guys, like it looks like there are five couples. But in reality, all of you guys are just married to each other. Like you could do that. No, you're right. There, there are ways around it. it you, I, I don't know if I'm even gonna like go through the formal marriage process. I yeah. just think it's. I, I took a class on a seminar on the family, and it's pretty messed up. That whole, that whole thing. Oh goodness. Well, just the fifty percent divorce rate in the U.S. and. Because I think it's like it's grounded upon like things that aren't real. Like I'm under the concept that like people shouldn't marry for love. That's just not why you should get married. And probably the reasons why you get divorced is because you fall out of love with somebody. But that happens, right? So why don't you just have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner for a short period of time if you love somebody and understand that that's probably not going to last. Like you've got to be able to stick around with someone when you hate them. And that's what <laughs> that's what I think marriage is. But not necessarily hate them permanently, but like, you know what, like you're pissing me off today. Like things aren't cheapy or like peachy keen and I don't like you right now. But like being able to say regardless of that, we're still going to be allied to each other in a way that we can push for our same goals, you know? 
because you don't most of the time when you're working in groups or even like activist work stuff, you don't like the people that you're working with sometimes, but you have to be willing to be like, okay, it's not about me. It's about the bigger thing. Let's just work together regardless because we are trying to accomplish the same object- objective. So. No, that's a great way to put it. And I'm, I'm, I just set way too high expectations for romantic or intimate partners. And I, yeah. I think, I, I, <laughs> I don't know, I just know that different people are going to satisfy different needs yeah. intellectually, whatever, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I'm, yeah, I'm not setting any goals for, you know, long term. I, I let go of that, like, oh, I'm going to marry one person and live together. I'm going to lose all our friends and just move into a big house. I, I never, never really had that. Yeah. And that's the thing that they sell to people, especially young girls that you're going to get married to your husband and then that's going to be your best friend and you're going to want to be with your best friend for the rest of your life. But like you have the capacity to have a lot of close best friends or close friends. So why is that only like, why does that have to only apply to platonic friendships? Why can that also apply to romantic friendships, like romantic relationships, you know, like you can, you have the capacity to like people in different ways. Like don't put all of your eggs in one basket because you're going to get disappointed <laughs> like every time, like every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe put all your eggs in one basket yeah. and it'll, you'll make a lot of kids. Yeah, make, You'll make a lot of kids, but like it, you'll, you'll, I'm certain. And even though I'm 22, of course I'm certain that you'll, Feel shitty. <laughs> like you're gonna feel shitty. <laughs> like if you don't have anything else and you put your eggs in one basket. That's what I've observed from people that I've seen who have done that, who are much older than me. But then again, I'm 22. I don't know anything. So yeah, we we we're still clueless. Drug? No, we don't do drugs anymore. Yeah. We're, we're drug free. Yeah. Clueless, right. drug free. 22 year olds. Right, right, right. That's exactly it. Clueless. I'm okay with that, but. No, I'm not. If I'm going to get married, I'm not getting married for love. That's just, that's it. And if I am getting married because I love somebody, it's not going to be a romantic love that's fleeting or a sexual love that's fleeting because that's not, yeah. So we'll check back in on the the podcast in 10 years and see where we both have ended up and if we're married. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. The number of people that say they're not going to get married and then end up getting married is also significant from, especially people who go to Grinnell College. and Like like the thing is, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get married and I know I'm going to have kids, but how that's going to look to the outside world might be one thing, but we got to come into an accordance whoever I get married with, that we can do whatever we want and there's no real anything. Yeah. I want that in the contract. We can do whatever we want, but there's no real anything. No, in marriage contracts, there's nothing written there. So that there's there, you got to add it. You got to add a little clause. Like we can do whatever we want and there's nothing there. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to end this up because Simone got to go right now. We're three minutes over. You're probably, uh, where are you running off to? I got to go get, eat food. I haven't eaten food all day. Oh no, that is like a, a, a sandwich, oh, like a half a sandwich. But then I left it in my class and then I left and went to my other class and it's still sitting in noise. So my, my other sandwich. So I'm going to go uh, take care of my stomach. <laughs> yeah, your stomach is calling. Well, this has been a lot of fun. And um, again, we'll, we'll check back in in 10 years on the, on the next episode of this, whatever this is called. Um. Fintan's Adventures. I hate that. <laughs> Fintan's Journey, uh, Fintan's American Journey. 
I should just be called shrooms with Fenton. <laughs> Troom, shrooms. We're both on shrooms. Yeah, actually, the whole episode, we've been on shrooms. No. But we're also drug-free. We're also drug-free. <laughs> okay. Out. <laughs>